Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I really want to thank you for tuning in again. Really appreciate it. And I invite you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review today's episode, because we have an outstanding guest. His name is George Kalegaropoulos. He is the CEO at Health Sherpa. They're a mission-driven company focused on helping people get high-quality, affordable health coverage. Health Sherpa has enrolled over 1.1 million Americans in the health coverage and is used by major employers, insurance companies, and over 23,000 agents and brokers. They're backed by Core Innovation Capital, Kapoor Capital, and Y Combinator. And their leader here is just an outstanding individual and just the most, one of the most analytical minds in the business. He's got several other experiences that include president of other analytic companies in the space, but he landed in healthcare because he saw it as a place where he could contribute big time. And so what I want to do is open up the microphone to George to fill in the gaps of the introduction and we could get started with the podcast. George, welcome. So thanks so much for having me. Um, really appreciate you giving Health Sherpa the chance to sort of uh, explain who we are and what we do to your listeners. And I think you actually really covered sort of our background pretty well uh, in your introduction. Really, the way that I think folks should think about us is that we build uh, the last mile of access between the programs that the Affordable Care Act put into place by law and the actual populations, communities, corporations, stakeholders that need to access those programs. So. If you're a large corporation and you have part-time employees and you want to help them sign up for affordable health coverage, we build the tools and technology that let you do that. If you're an insurance agent and you want to operate in this market, we build the tools that let you, you know, access that uh, and get in there and and actually enroll people in in your clients in those policies. So really the way to think about us is that plumbing almost, if you will, for the Affordable Care Act, that last mile that lets people actually access the benefits of the law. That's beautifully stated, George. And we had a discussion prior to the podcast, everybody. And, you know, we were just talking about, yeah, you know, a lot of the things that happen in healthcare happen within the four walls of the hospital. And so much of that neglects a large portion of the population in this country. And George and his team are very focused, very mission driven to getting people the healthcare that they deserve. And so George, what, you know, with your diverse set of experiences, what is it that got you into healthcare? So I like to say that we didn't find healthcare, healthcare found us. So we had built a series of entrepreneurial projects, startups, if you will, that were focused on giving people better access to important information that they needed to make choices and decisions for themselves and for their families. So in an earlier iteration, actually, of this company, we'd looked at uh, hospital and procedure pricing and costs and looked at ways to make that more transparent. And as we were looking at that problem, we observed that the way that most people access healthcare, at least in the United States, is through some sort of health insurance, whether it's a government-sponsored program like Medicaid or whether it's individual health insurance, employer-based coverage. And so looking at that landscape, we said, where is there the most sort of confusion, uncertainty, 
a lack of clarity in terms of what people's options are and how to actually exercise those options. And what we found was this was right when the Affordable Care Act had first sort of taken effect in, in early 2014. And there were these brand new marketplaces uh, with tremendous potential, tremendous amounts of thinking and policy and, and, and detailed organization that went into structuring these, these marketplaces. And then a whole lot of confusion with consumers not really knowing what was available to them and how to access it and other stakeholders, those large corporations we talked about those insurance agents and brokers just being very confused about what their options actually were. And so we said, let's go in here and sort of build the missing layer that connects, on the one hand, all these people who are looking to use this law, and on the other, what the law actually provides for. So we were sort of looking for ways to help clarify the sort of the, the access to healthcare question. And when we were doing this, you know, it was right when they launched healthcare.gov, but it's sort of much publicized issues that, that sort of came with that launch. And so right. we were really focused on coming in and trying to address some of those. Very, very interesting. And so the opportunity sort of came to you guys by just this implementation, right? And, and you know, when we, when we think of implementation in healthcare, I had a guest previously from Providence Medical Center talk about innovation is actually implementation. And so what George and his team focused on is, is implementing this law, implementing a way for that last mile for the consumer to actually be able to access it. And so fast forward to today, George, from those days when you guys were just getting this started, how far has it come? What had, has been your experience? So it's been a, a wild uh, a wild ride, to say the least. Um, I'm sure as people who've been following the evolution of the healthcare policy uh, debate in this country know, it's been, there's been a lot of ups and downs. But if you look at the sort of net outcome of that, there's been also tremendous opportunity. I mean, four years ago, we hadn't enrolled a single person. Today, we've enrolled actually over 1.1 million. And it looks like, based on the latest figures, we're actually the largest private channel into the federal marketplace, into healthcare.gov. Wow. And that's the work that are the those 23,000 agent brokers, those insurance companies, those corporations using us. That's sort of a concerted effort. We're definitely the pipe that they're using, but there's been a ton of work behind the scenes by all these stakeholders to really take their populations, their eligible employees, their customers, and plug them into these new sets of benefits. Because really, I think a lot of people who have insurance through their jobs, you know, a lot of your listeners perhaps, don't quite understand what a monumental change the Affordable Care Act was for the individual health insurance market. So this is everyone who doesn't get insurance through their job, whether they're self-employed, whether they're eligible for a government program, or otherwise responsible for purchasing their own insurance. Their world completely changed in 2014, and there really wasn't a clear way to help those people access their new options. So it's been a wild ride since then. A lot of that has been since moved out. There was definitely some uncertainty after the election with the new administration. But what we found is that uh, by and large since then, there's actually been a fairly positive effort by the administration to streamline and make the programs that are in place work effectively. So what yes. we've seen there is just this evolution. This I like to say that we're, we're five years into a 30-year sort of <laughs> process of transforming how people access care in this country. And so it's still very early and there's still a ton of uncertainty. But structurally, when you think about the Affordable Care Act, it is very similar in a sense to the Social Security Act in the 1930s or the Medicare in the 1960s, which is that it's a fundamental redefinition of the social contract, how people relate to their government. In this case, the tenet that the Affordable Care Act brought into play was that people have a right to affordable health care. And so we're going to make that possible through this law. And so just like, you know, Social Security when it, and Medicare, when they first came out, they were viewed as 
sort of highly politicized, potentially contentious programs. You fast forward to today, it's, they're extremely popular. Obviously, they're, they're fundamental sort of pillars of, of our society. Similarly, we think that this concept of access to healthcare, whether it's called the Affordable Care Act, whether it's called Obamacare, whether it's called whatever uh, variant Congress wants to pass next, it's all about iterating towards a better end state for patients and better access to care. George, that was such so beautifully crafted, the way that you just explained that. And listeners, talk about a, a succinct way of putting what it was. It's rewriting the fabric of what healthcare means, just like we did with the previous iterations of, of our system. And so, George, you're passionate, you're well-informed, you're committed in this 30-year journey. What do you think leaders today need to be thinking about as it relates to access and what could they do to help move the ship toward the right direction? So healthcare is such a complex organism and there's so much to be done across both cost, access, quality, that there are a lot of us working, I think, towards the same fundamental goals, which is the provision of high quality, low cost healthcare um, that is accessible to everyone. But then I think people should be thinking about, and particularly leaders in the space should be thinking about, as, as I like to think that we are, how to best coordinate our efforts, right? Because access and cost are fundamentally in linked. So you want to think about that problem in a holistic sense and address it in a holistic sense. Because on the one hand, you know, we talk about as a very sort of, that's a very abstract statement. So a more literal way to think about that is this. If we look at the Affordable Care Act and we were to sort of remove some of its provisions that get people coverage, and then as an example now, we've seen the individual mandate is actually no longer in effect because of the, of the recently passed tax legislation. The people who don't get coverage and experience medical events, our healthcare system will still pay for their treatment, right? We're still going to pay for them because they're going to go to emergency rooms and under MTALA, they're required to be treated. So we'll incur the cost of that treatment, but it will be paid for at ER rates rather than at primary care physician rates or at specialist visit rates. Um, that's some of the most expensive care you can provide to people. And that care will be baked into the cost that all of us pay, either through our taxes or through our health insurance premiums uh, for that treatment. So I would urge, I think the biggest thing is to think holistically about the problems we're facing. It's easy to get siloed when you're working on any one aspect of the problem, but the aggregate, it's a sort of multi-headed beast, but one that is very tightly linked. And so when you're working on one piece, it's important to think about the impact that you'll, your actions and legislation and policy decisions will have on those other pieces. That's a great, great words of wisdom. And so let's keep the eye on, on that big picture. It's not exactly taking a look at point of care, but taking a look at what is happening on the broad perspective. And so George, as you and your team start to create different ways to access healthcare, What's a setback or just thing or failure that has happened that, that you guys learned a lot from? So I would say, uh, and some of this is somewhat idiosyncratic to our business, but there was definitely, there were definitely missteps around how we understood the role of regulators and government in our business. So initially coming sort of from the technology and startup world, we, I think, underestimated the importance of working closely with federal, with government stakeholders and ensuring that they are, you know, aligned with and, and understand what we're doing and how it relates to their objectives. Yes. Um, we've got 
gotten a lot better about that, and that's been quite the journey. So we've gone from <laughs> getting angry letters from federal agencies instructing us, ordering us to do things, to a consultative relationship where we share sort of our objectives and understand their objectives and see where those align and then coordinate on what we do in a way that ultimately for the end consumer is is, is very valuable. In fact, particularly the transformation, I should say, in how the private sector interacts with the Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Studies. Um, those are the folks who actually run healthcare.gov. It's been phenomenal to watch. Again, it's gone from sort of a very prescriptive regulatory letter type approach to a consultative we are the government, we make the rules, but here's what the objective is, here's what the how you can help and where your business could fit into that. And it's been a very interesting transformation to be a part of firsthand. Wow. That's really interesting. And so now it's part of your focus probably to to make sure that you keep an open line to them and and that there's a good communication flow between your organization and, and those parts of the government, right? Absolutely. And we have very structured, very um, regular communication with the appropriate folks. And what we find is, you know, it's interesting because it's almost like the... Um, <laughs> is it the Goldilocks approach? The soup is the too hot or too cold, where if you don't have enough, if you have too much regulation, it effectively stifles private sector innovation and prevents things from being done cheaper, faster, better. Conversely, if you have too little regulation, you permit a race to the bottom, which is where there are certain hacks or shortcuts or misbehaviors that can yield a lot of revenue in the absence of regulation. So the problem is that once one company starts doing those, if they're not stopped, everyone else has to go down that path as well or go out of business. And so there's a right. very specific role for government, particularly when we're talking about people's access to healthcare, where they can step in and ensure that the right incentives exist for the private sector, that there is a level playing field, and that innovation is being promoted, but not at the expense of the consumer, always to the consumer's benefit. Love that. Well, 30 years from now, what does this all look like, George? <laughs> um, so let's go back to our analogies a bit to sort of explore because that's a very complicated question. So in the late 50s to the early 60s, before Medicare, 50% uh, of seniors had health insurance, which means that 50% of seniors did not have health insurance. They had no regular structured access to health care. To put it sort of bluntly, you literally had old people dying in the streets for lack of access to care. Fast forward to today, 95% of seniors have access to health care. And the difference is Medicare. Now, when Medicare first passed, it was actually viewed as socialism, yeah. <laughs> as communism in disguise. And actually, a young actor, I think uh, the AMA uh, paid a young actor named Ronald Reagan to record a 10-minute speech about the evils of socialized medicine. And it was specific to this proposed Medicare legislation. And then you fast forward to the mid-80s, and that young actor turned into, of course, the legendary President Reagan. That's and right. he actually signed the biggest expansion of Medicare into law wow. was on his presence under his presidency. So that's the sort of evolution you see when a good, when a solid foundation for improving, as we say, the social contract, the access that people have to benefits through their relationship with their government, it plays out. So in 30 years, we could be in a number of scenarios. One is there is a strong and growing sort of tied in favor of a single payer system in the US. The point, you know, an interesting trick question is, Saul, do you know what the largest single payer system in the world is? The government? Well, so which or, which country has the largest single payer oh. when you think about? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say perhaps, I, I don't know, the US? 
Or uh, you, mean, you are uh, correct, actually. Most people think it's Canada or, or the UK with the National Health Service. But actually, Medicare is the largest in terms of dollar spent. Medicare is the largest single-payer system in the world. So wow. the US already has the largest single-payer system in the world. And generally speaking, it's actually fairly effective. When you look at the overhead for the Medicare program, it's a small fraction of what it is for private insurance or for other programs. So when you look 30 years in the future, we could, depending on how where the political will rests and what solutions um, Congress comes to, you would either see some form of single payer or some variant of what we see today, which is an independent market where in which there's a lot of private sector initiative, but at the same time, a lot of guardrails put in place via regulatory means in order to ensure that you know the system works to the benefit of the ultimate sort of person that matters, which is that consumer who's, who's actually needs to access healthcare. Because as with healthcare, the reason everything costs so much, but the reason why it's so important is because we're literally talking about people's access to treatment. It's treatment that improves the quality of their lives. It's treatment that can potentially be life-saving. So you don't want to mess that up. So I think what we see 30 years from now is either we just throw our hands up and say, look, Medicare for all is the right path. And you'll see a system in which you've got sort of certain benefits that are provided by the government via Medicare type structure, and then uh, supplemental insurance that provide, gives people either access to additional doctors or manages some of their co-pays or gives them access to perhaps non-covered services. Uh, that's one model. And the other model is very much along the lines of the Affordable Care Act currently, which is more of a compromise, not quite full, you know, not, not full single payer, but heavily regulated private insurance. Insurance, uh, where there are a lot of controls in place. There's a small possibility of sort of the what we might call the Wild West scenario, which is unregulated or loosely regulated at the state level. But we've sort of seen, you know, the reason that health reform was a national priority from the early 90s through today was because that system wasn't working. You had way too many people falling through the cracks, either because they were being excluded for their pre-existing conditions or their treatment, they were uninsurable or their insurance didn't cover the things they needed to cover. And again, going back to our earlier statement, collectively, we were all still paying for those people. We were right. paying through our taxes. We were paying for our health insurance premiums. So I think collectively, we arrive at a solution that better manages the enormous cost of healthcare, whether it's single payer, whether it's an extension of the Affordable Care Act. I could see either scenario playing out. But like I said, we're five years into a 30-year cycle, <laughs> and it's still... Very, the ultimate goal, and, and I know I've been on this subject for a while, but it's, it's important. The ultimate goal is that access to healthcare should not, when you look at the healthcare.gov rollout, when you look at what us and other people like us have been doing to try and get people signed up over the last three or four years, it boils down to heroics. And access to healthcare should not come down to heroics. It should be an ordinary function where we have the infrastructure in place, where we provide this access to people, people understand their benefits, they know where to go to get them. Um, they know what, what's covered and what isn't covered, and it sort of just works much in the way that, say, filing your taxes works or much in the way that, say, getting your Social Security check works. That's where we want to be, not in this sort of weird world that we're in today in this transitional period where people, there's so much uncertainty and there's so much confusion, and at the same time, and that leads to, to negative outcomes, both for and most importantly, for the patient, for the consumer who does or doesn't understand their treatment options and does or doesn't pursue treatment accordingly, but then also for the taxpayer who ends up paying for those mistakes. And all of those mistakes occur long before someone even sets foot, in, to your point, in the four walls. George, a great synopsis there. Friends, you have now been taken to 2048. 
And now we're going to be taking the time machine back to your present day. Uh, so, George, thanks for walking us through those scenarios. It's good to think big picture. And, George, you do a really great job of zooming in and being able to think strategically in such a way that helps you start thinking about what actions are you taking today that are going to help you build a brighter future for your organization and all the people that are accessing healthcare. What would you say today is an exciting project that you're working on? Well, where to begin? Where to begin? So <laughs> the current top priority is, so to my earlier point about working more closely with um, the regulators in our space, there has been a clear and concerted effort and initiative by the Department of Health and Human Services to permit the private sector to provide basically all of the services that healthcare.gov provides. And so if you think about how you've got the IRS has the e-file system and you can totally file your taxes online using e-file, but everyone uses TurboTax or H&R Block or Credit Karma or some other service, they're iterating towards a model like that where you have a common set of federal services which are, are required in order to do things like determine someone's eligibility for any subsidies or cost sharing reductions that the law provides. And then you have private sector entities such as ourselves building that all the rest of the infrastructure, all the rest of the branches of the tree that allow us to reach everyone who needs access, right? And so to my earlier example, what this means is you're seeing iteration, uh, you're seeing the APIs being made available by the federal government so that people can plug directly into the federal data hub. You're seeing detailed sort of security uh, programs being put into place to ensure that everyone's data is protected and accessible in a way that is reasoned and thought out. And all of that makes it possible. It's a lot of plumbing work. It's a lot of infrastructure work. But at the end of the day, what it gets you is a world in which you are a part-timer at any one of the sort of call it retail or food service uh, companies that make up so much of the employment in the U.S. today. You start your job, you go to sign up on the, on the website and they say, okay, what's your bank information so that we can pay you? your hourly wages, and then go sign up for health insurance. And we know all of, of these things about you already because we employ you. So just click a couple buttons and you'll get low or no cost health insurance because under the law, that's what you're entitled to. So it's that sort of plumbing that we're building today. And none of it is sexy, but it's all very exciting because of what it makes possible and what it means in terms of who's going to get coverage and how they can access that coverage. Yeah, that's for sure. And you got to have vision in order to be on a project like this. You got to have a clear understanding of what it is that you're going to. And so I offer this to the listeners that you take a little note of, of inspiration and an example of what George is doing here is that as a leader, you got to have clarity in your vision. Because if you don't, then it just gets really hard to stay with it. And like George said, it's, it's a very tedious role to have to be doing this. But at the end, when you have the future that's so clear that George does, then it becomes just invigorating. And so George, really appreciate you sharing that with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. George, we're getting close to the end here. We've got the lightning round. You and I are going to build together a course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare access. It's the 101 or the ABCs of George. I got four questions for you, lightning round style, and then we're going to finish with a book. You ready? Sounds good. Awesome. What's the best way to improve healthcare access? Clear rules and regulations uniformly enforced. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? It's the converse, which is confusing people or giving them conflicting views of what is and isn't currently possible or legal. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Stay close to your customers and ensure that you're always 
making every decision with them first in mind in terms of what they need. What is one area of focus that should drive everything else in healthcare? It's the same, <laughs> it's the same answer as the previous <laughs> question. <softball> for you. <laughs> it's, it's the patient, it's the consumer, it's what's right for the customer and what gets them the access to the care that they need, right? Everything is, has to be driven by that. Otherwise, you're, you're in the wrong business if you're doing healthcare and not pursuing that. Yep. What's the book that you recommend to the listeners, George? So this is a little esoteric, but I believe John McDonoghue um, wrote a book called Healthcare Reform. He was one of uh, Senator Kennedy's aides who helped draft the Affordable Care Act. And in it, he goes through all of the deliberations and all of the stakeholder conversations that resulted in the law that we see today. And when you understand, quote unquote, how the sausage is made, a lot of the things that are in the law and how they work make a lot more sense. Love it. What a great recommendation. And so, Occam's Rocket listeners, you can find all of this information, including links to the book, George's company, all of the show notes. If you go to outcomesrocket.health slash George, G-E-O-R-G-E. Now, George, this has been so much fun. Uh, what I'd like to do is just have you share your closing thoughts with the listeners and then the best place where they could get in touch with you or follow you. Great. Well, just mostly wanted to thank all of listeners for taking a little trip down the sort of minutia of, of healthcare access and say that the important thing to remember when you look at the complex and ever-evolving landscape of healthcare and healthcare reform is to think about, to Saul's earlier point, what the outcome that we actually want is, where we want to be as a country in terms of how we offer people care and how we pay for it. And then think about all the steps that need to happen between now and then and focus on delivering those, um, those outcomes. That's what's worked for us and that's how we operate. And I would invite you, dear listener, to also think about how that applies to your own efforts, whether it's how you access healthcare or how you interact with your elected representatives and so on and so forth. So the best way to follow what we're up to is to just follow our Twitter handle. It's Health Sherpas. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-H-E-R-P-A-S. And that's where we regularly post sort of updates on what we're working on, as well as you can direct message us and get in touch with us that way. Outstanding, George. Hey, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. I know that uh, they're going to resonate big time. So looking forward to catching up with you again and seeing how you guys uh, unravel what's next. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.